Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time agents. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of that Fighting Irish football team that we will see in a couple of months, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can stream us right now on our free WSBT radio app. Also at WSBTradio.com and the video feed on Twitch is up and rolling as well. Hope you're having a terrific Thursday, June the 1st of 2023. Some much needed rain fell today here in Northern Indiana and Southwest Michigan. Our yards are feeling pretty good right now with a little rain. But how about a weekend without any precipitation? We've had a ton of that even going back into March and April. It snowed, it seemed, every weekend that rolled around. So hopefully we will have an extremely nice weekend. But we have to get you through your Thursday afternoon. So let's try to do that here on WSBT Radio. Coming up on the program, we have our hat trick of opening topics in just a moment. June 1st is always the day I get serious about baseball, in particular, the Major League Baseball standings. The small sample size portion of the year is over, and we kind of know who you are. You, the teams out there in Major League Baseball. So on June the 1st, today we'll take a look at where things stand in the American League, who are the contenders and who are the pretenders. In the junior circuit, we'll take a look at the National League tomorrow. We have a lot of work to do on our Twitter question of the day because we've had a shortened show the last couple of days. So I've not been able to pass along the results from Tuesday. 
And we'll get to last night's as well. We have a brand new question up and going right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeep. Some people commenting about it. People are having some fun discussing it. So we'd love for you to get involved, vote, and leave a comment on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. You'll see the question online. I'll give it to you in about a half an hour here on WSBT Radio. In the 6 o'clock hour, we have a little NFL conversation because today's my five, my five favorite NFL lines for week one of the regular season. Also coming up, We've got Mike Singer joining us on a Thursday to talk Notre Dame football recruiting. Mike back from a vacation to join us, and he's got a lot to talk about. A very important official visit is coming up in a while involving a guy that Notre Dame really wants for their secondary, Caleb Beasley. We'll talk more about Caleb and that visit coming up here in the 6 o'clock hour on WSBT Radio. Also, we have a little sizzler to get to our sports wagering segment. Went two and two last night. We'll try to do better tonight with two Major League Baseball suggestions, an NBA Finals suggestion, and looking ahead to tomorrow afternoon, we've got a parlay for the college baseball tournament, which gets underway at the 16 regional sites tomorrow. So that's our program. South Bend Cubs baseball starts at 645 with pregame coverage from beautiful Parkview Field in downtown Fort Wayne. It's the Cubbies and the Tin Caps game three of their six-game series. Before we get to the hat trick, a couple of notes to talk about since we were last on the air. Not surprised by this, but Purdue's seven-foot sensation, Zach Eady, coming back to West Lafayette for another season. Edie, who of course went through the NBA process, decided on deadline day yesterday that he was coming back to Purdue. You kind of look at this two different ways. Number one, it's great for Purdue. It makes them a top five, probably ranked team going into next season. And a lot of hopes that they can brush away losing to a 16 seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament the way Virginia did a few years ago. They went on to win the national title the next year. That might be a lofty goal for Purdue, but with Zach Eady back, a guy that averages 23 points and 13 rebounds a ball game, pretty good place to start with a loaded roster coming back as well. You look at the roster and you wonder how Matt Painter is going to split up all the playing time with the good problem of having a lot of talent on that basketball roster. So that's good news for Purdue. The shame of it is if we're in, let's say, the 1980s, think about when Purvis Ellison, never nervous Purvis, won a national championship at Louisville in 1986, was the number one pick in the draft, a seven-footer, played inside. Those guys don't exist in the NBA today. They want their seven-footers playing on the perimeter because a guy like Zach Eady has no one to guard in the NBA. He's not going to be able to hang around the basket. He would have to defend on the perimeter, and he's not going to have much success doing that. You think back, oh, a year and a half ago, the same thing with Illinois' Kofi Coburn, a a 7-foot, 320-pound guy that can dominate the paint, but he is playing, I believe, in China. Now, there is no spot for him even in the G League right now because there just isn't a style of play 
that would benefit him. And the same is for Edie. A part of it says it's kind of a shame the NBA can't create a role for him. But at the same time, you see the game evolve and those Purvis Ellison type guys, kind of a dime a dozen now. I don't know Purvis Ellison would be taken in the first round, would even be drafted in 2023. He's a great player, but things have changed in the way things are done in the NBA. So, A, it's kind of a shame there's not a spot for Edie in the NBA, but for Purdue, they get their big guy back, and Purdue and Indiana, two of the teams to watch in the Big Ten next year, Michigan State. They got a couple of their key guys back. They should be really, really good. Illinois got Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon back last night, and they picked up a point guard from Iowa State. So they feel like they're ready to roll once again. But the fact remains, hey, Big Ten, do something in March, folks. That would be awfully nice. Maybe a couple of teams in the Sweet 16 every once in a while. So Zach Eady back at Purdue. And good for Monty Williams, who got a raw deal getting let go by the Phoenix Suns after Phoenix was knocked out of the NBA playoffs in the second round by the team that probably is going to win the title, the Denver Nuggets. Monty had great success in Phoenix. Coach of the year led them to the finals a couple of years ago, but new ownership in Phoenix. They went with a a totally different direction, and Monty, who got the blame when it should have been the GM making a bad trade for Kevin Durant, well, Monty has landed on his feet, and according to ESPN, boy, has he ever landed on his feet. His accountant is very happy right now because according to ESPN, the former Notre Dame great has agreed to the largest coaching contract in NBA history. Monty gets six years, reportedly $78.5 million. When you're negotiating, isn't it great? You get to throw in that 78 and a half. Don't sell it for 78. Let's go for 78 and a half million dollars. And Monty taken in the first round in 94 by the New York Knicks had a, a nice career in the NBA. He's been a coach with New Orleans and Phoenix and now going to Detroit. Of course, Jaden Ivey is there and the former Mishawaka Marion product had a great rookie season as they try to rebuild that Motor City basketball team into something that Detroit fans can be proud of. Man, it's been a rough few years for Detroit fans. Lions, although they're getting better now. Red Wings in a rebuild. Pistons in a rebuild. The Tigers trying to get things going. Hey, they're what, a game and a half out of first right now? Two games out of first? So they're right there, even though they're at 500. But good to see Detroit fans maybe have some optimism. And I would have to imagine to get a premier coach to Detroit at this stage of the rebuild, you got to pay a little extra. Detroit was willing to, and good for Monty Williams, one of the great individuals in the game. And he's back coaching the Detroit Pistons in 2023. It is 516. Let's get to our hat trick of opening topics here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. We start with topic number one of three. And we are preparing you for your fall schedule centered around the Notre Dame football schedule. Family outings, weddings, vacations, whatever the case may be, got to be careful. You don't want to upset the Irish football fan in your life. It could make things miserable for you. So we now know the first five start times on the Notre Dame football schedule. And just looking at what is coming up in the first month, 
I would say you've got one for sure blowout, one probable blowout, another you expect to win easily, but it's never easy, and then a couple of nail biters, it seems like, coming up in the first month of the season. August 26th, week zero, Notre Dame taking on the United States Naval Academy over in Dublin. Reports are around 39,000 American fans are heading over to Dublin to watch this matchup between Notre Dame and Navy. That's an afternoon South Bend time kickoff at 2.30 Eastern time right here on WSBT Radio. The early lines are out for this game. How many times do we sit here and see Notre Dame favored by double digits You feel like that's the way to go in the gambling game. And Navy just absolutely tortures everybody that takes Notre Dame. Oftentimes covering. Well, here we are again. But this time maybe it's different. Navy has a new head coach. Now, they're not going to come out with the run and shoot. They're going to do what Navy does best. But there could be some curveballs. Who knows? Well, Notre Dame is favored by 21 against the midshipmen. 2012, across the pond, Notre Dame demolished Navy, and that was the start. I think it's fair to say, little did we know at the time, that was the start of a run to the BCS National Championship game. That started it all. Stefan Tuitt picking up that fumble, I think it was, was an interception and rumbling 70 yards down the field, looking like a tight end. Man, he was sprinting and sprinting hard. But that was the start of a magical season for the Irish that year across the pond, destroying Navy and going on to, well, Miami for the national title game. Nick Saban and Alabama took home the crystal. But man, that was a fun fun season of Notre Dame football with way too much dramatics toward the end of that particular season, which is now all a part of a Netflix documentary, if you know what I mean. So that first game, 2.30 kickoff, Notre Dame favored by 21. Now, September 2nd, that's when the Irish, for the first time, will play a non-FBS school. Eddie George is the head coach of Tennessee State, 3.30 kickoff Eastern time on WSBT Radio. Number one, whether you like playing an FCS school or not, this is what Notre Dame needs. If you're not going to have a bye week after Ireland, you don't want something that I would call tricky the next week. They're playing late on Saturday in Dublin. You got the flight back, readjusting your body to the Eastern time zone, preparing for the next game. That week after playing Navy in 2012, Notre Dame faced Purdue at Notre Dame Stadium, and it was a gut-wrencher. If I remember correctly, Everett Golson, the starting quarterback, was pulled in the final two minutes because a guy by the name of Tommy Reese knew the two-minute drill a whole lot better. He led them down the field and set up the game-winning field goal, and Notre Dame escaped with the win over Purdue. So you don't want anything that could cause you problems, and that is no disrespect to Tennessee State, but they play a different level of football. 
Now, Notre Dame should win this game handily. I don't believe Marcus Freeman would embarrass Eddie George and Tennessee State. This isn't going to be one of those 69 to nothing games. It could be. Could be. Not saying it should. Could. But I don't think Marcus would just absolutely run up the score in this spot. Normally, I don't care about those things. Win the ball game, and if the other team can't stop you, you know what? That's their problem. But in this case, it's a great story. Tennessee State coming here. Eddie George, the head coach. I just can't imagine it's going to be a massive blowout win for the Irish. And again, it could be a tough first quarter readjusting mentally to getting back into a game situation, playing only Tennessee State after a wonderful week overseas, preparing for and playing the midshipmen. Then you got this September 9th game at North Carolina State. So you're done with adjusting your body from Dublin. You're done with that Tennessee State game, and now you really rev up the engines again because this game is not in your back pocket. This could cost you a chance to be a playoff team this year. You lose this game, then you got to sweep Clemson, USC, and Ohio State. That's a tall task. Lose this one, could be a long couple of months. They got Brennan Armstrong now at quarterback at NC State. Armstrong, two years ago, had as good of an offensive season at quarterback than anyone in the country. He was the quarterback at Virginia and just had a a phenomenal year. The Irish missed him due to injury that year. But then last year, coaching changes at Virginia. I mean, you would not know this guy was phenomenal the year before. He had a rough, rough year with the Cavaliers. But he's landed on his feet at North Carolina State. They needed a quarterback. They got one. The old left-hander is going to try to put a scare into the Fighting Irish September 9th. And that's an early start, too. A lot of trickiness in this game. Notre Dame at NC State, noon kickoff Eastern time, September 9th, right here on WSBT Radio. And then you get to kind of another sleeper after that game and before Ohio State. It's just old Central Michigan coming to Notre Dame Stadium, September 16th. It's a 2-30 game. And all we need to tell you, that is the Peacock game. And then that five-game stretch comes to a close with the marquee matchup on the schedule. This just has a different feel to it. The fans in Columbus could tell you that last year when Notre Dame arrived at the horseshoe to take on Ohio State. Now Ohio State makes the trip over to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish. Prime time. You've got all day to get yourself ready for this showdown. 7.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. You win that game, you're in the playoff picture. You lose that game, then you still have to run the table. Could they go 5-0? Sure, I'd like to know who Ohio State's quarterback is, and I'm not sure how good their offensive line is going to be. But that NC State game, don't sleep on it. Do not sleep on it. That could be a handful 
for this Fighting Irish football team. Hat trick, topic number two to begin the program. Let's go to the National Football League. And the Chicago Bears, their OTAs are underway at Hallis Hall. The head coach is Matt Eberflus in his second season working with Ryan Poles, trying to bring the roar back to the monsters of the midway. And one of the things Eberflus was asked about this week, his quarterback, Justin Fields, entering his third season in the National Football League. Made some progress last year. Massive season rushing the football over 1,000 yards, but you like to see some of those rushing yards turn into big play in the passing game. Will that happen this year? Now we keep hearing that Fields is doing a better job going through his progressions, understanding what the defense is trying to do to him, throwing the football better. So Coach Eberflus was asked, do you see this with your own eyes? Does it take you watching the tape in order to notice these things that are getting better? Here's Bears head coach Matt Eberflus on the progression of his quarterback, Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, it's just about working their schemes, you know. I think, uh, you know, having our our halfbacks that we have, we feel confident about those guys. Uh, We feel good about our offensive line, you know, what we've done there in terms of the run blocking. Certainly, we... We certainly value Simo and the way he, uh, you know, schemes it up every single week, you know, with uh, and changing it up the way he does. Uh, but uh, we certainly feel good about it. And uh, we talked about it last year with with Justin in terms of the run game. You know, run it when we need it. You know, and, and when we're down in the red zone, third down, we might need it at that point. You know, during those critical situations of the game. So uh, that's what he's going to do. So Eberflus mentioned during his press conference this week that he doesn't necessarily want Justin Fields to rush for 1,000 yards again this season. But you don't want to give away those yards. You still want to be able to run the football. When you think of Bears football, you think of running the ball well. You get into December at Soldier Field and hopefully soon back to the postseason in January. Cold, windy, And running the football is extremely valuable. So here's Coach Eberflus on not wanting fields to rush for 1,000 yards this year, but how do you make up for those yards that your quarterback won't gain? Yeah, I think think the latter. I think it is detectable uh, when you're out there. Um, You can see him going through his reads quicker, uh, uh, reading the coverages on the snap, and uh, processing where to go with the football. And, again, it's been working with his footwork. Um, you know, in his, his release, and he's been doing a great job with all those things, and uh, we're excited where he is right now. And so is some of that to be expected in year two? And so how do you guys are kind of what's above and beyond just natural progression? Yeah, I think some of it is expected just from the experience of last year, but I would say this, that uh, no one's worked harder than him in this offseason, um, starting in February. You know, he's been was working on his own, studying, uh, different quarterbacks and really understanding of what he needed to improve on, you know, given from the coaches, from Janoko and Luke and myself, uh, to be able to really take that next step. And he's worked his tail off since that point. You know, I know what Matt's wanting here. Probably as a fan, you're thinking, well, why wouldn't you want Justin Fields to rush for a thousand yards? If you go back and watch 
many of these plays that led to massive fields runs, they were designed passing plays that fields turned into big plays with his legs. Now, sometimes did he leave the pocket early to go run? Yeah, that happens. But let's also keep in mind, his offensive line, they were not doing everything possible to make his life easy. So when that pocket collapsed, he had to stop going through the progressions, and he had a quick decision to make. Throw it away, fire it into a tight window, or take off and run. So I think what Matt wants, Justin Fields to not rush for 1,000 yards because he's able to stay in the pocket due to the improvement of the offensive line. And what we just heard from Matt talking about the improvement, going through the progressions, understanding defenses, all of these variables will lead to Justin Fields not needing to rush for 1,000 yards. Now, do you still want read option plays for Justin Fields or some planned running plays? Absolutely. Those aren't going in the trash can. But an improved Justin Fields throwing the football coupled with the offensive line getting better, that's a formula for the rushing numbers for Fields to come down and the passing numbers and big play possibilities go up significantly for the Chicago Bears football team. So, yeah, it may sound strange. I don't want Fields to rush for 1,000 yards, but if he doesn't, that's probably a sign the passing game has taken steps forward. And if it takes major steps forward, there is no reason why they can't at least, I didn't say win, but at least contend in the NFC North where we aren't quite sure how good the Packers are going to be with Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers now in New York. I mean, he made those guys better. Whether you like him or not, the championship bell, I own you, all that stuff, the guy made everybody better around him. Let's see what Jordan Love can do. It just feels like the Vikings, there is no way they are going to tiptoe through this season like last year where they won every tight game. Seven points or less, they'd figure out a way. They're probably not going to come from, what, 33 nothing down to the Colts and rally to win. That's once in a lifetime. It just seems like, despite having Justin Jefferson, that great wide receiver, adding Jordan Addison from USC, that is a team that could be taking a step back. And if that's the case, the Bears see only Detroit in front of them. Now, a lot has to happen, not guaranteeing it, but if the passing game gets better, then why can't the Bears at least contend in the NFC North? Final comment from Eberflus with OTAs underway for the Chicago Bears. The Bears, through the draft, made their defensive line better by adding a handful of interior defensive linemen. I guess the basic way to build a defensive line, you get your edge rushers, and then you factor in bringing in some interior defensive linemen. But, But the Bears are doing it a little differently. They are stacking up the middle of their defensive line with a handful of players they believe can be championship caliber players. It's a little uncharacteristic to build inside out rather than outside in. There's no right or wrong way, but most teams you see build from the outside in. 
Coach Eberflus, of course, defensive coordinator with the Colts before becoming the Bears head coach, was asked about why the Bears are building their defensive line inside out. Yeah, I mean, obviously you'd like all four to be able to do, you know, push it both sides, you know, inside and then both outside. You know, that would be, you know, some of the elite pass rush groups that are in the NFL right now. Um, and we're building towards that. And we certainly feel great about where our guys are right now. But uh, from answer your question, from building from the inside out, it's shorter distance to the quarterback. Uh, the quarterbacks feel that uh, right away. Um, there's been some great ones over the years that have been inside that have definitely affected the quarterback. Um, then in the run game, you know, the run game is huge, you know, because if you get cut out on the inside, that, that creates big holes in the middle of your defense. How limiting is it when your pass rush is struggling? During the course of the year, you know, we saw it last year, you tried different stuff, but when they're not getting home, how does that just change kind of what you are able to do across the board, you know, in the defensive back that would line well, I mean, I would say that there's been years that, you know, back when I was the defensive coordinator where you would, you know, send more pressure. You would blitz guys that are second-level pressure players, uh, be it linebacker, safety, um, you know, that type of thing. Uh, we've certainly done that and got a handful of sacks out of those guys. You know, we've gotten 10 sacks out of that group or more than that. So um, that could be something that we potentially do. Uh, but you'd like to generate it from the front four. That way you can have all seven in coverage. Um, and you can do more variation with your coverage that way, not opening holes for the for the offense. But certainly, you got to pick pick your poison and pick your time when you want to do that. Hey, I'm not saying there's an Aaron Donald on this football team, but obviously, you think of the Rams and having Aaron Donald the last decade dominating from the interior of the defensive line. You get pressure up the middle. I don't care if we're talking about Tom Brady or the worst quarterback in the NFL. Pressure up the middle drives them. Nuts, And the Bears are trying to put a lot of pressure up the middle this year. They need to get better with their edge rushers. They would like to see a safety, not lead the team in sacks. But let's see what the Bears can do by building inside out, going after three defensive linemen that they feel like can help them out of this year's NFL draft. All right, 535 is our time, our third and final Hat trick of opening topic for tonight is something a little more personal. June 1st is today, and it's a day that I do not look forward to every year. June 1st, 1989, I lost my dad suddenly to a brain aneurysm. It was also the day before my high school graduation. To be 17 and you lose a parent suddenly like that, it just shatters your world. I'm mentioning this because I've got a platform here and maybe I can offer something that might help someone else out there. And the point I want to make is never wait to ask questions. Mom, dad, guardian, grandparent, whomever, if there are things that you don't know about them or there are questions you have not asked, boy, please do not wait because we just Never know. That was the case with me. There are so many things that I never asked my dad. When you're 17, you think they're going to be around for a very, very long time. I just think about I never asked about why he enlisted in the United States Navy, what it was like being in the Navy, spending time in Europe. So there were some stories I probably wouldn't have been able to hear as a young kid. But anyway, what it was like being on a Navy aircraft carrier during the Korean War. I never got the full story on dad hitting a home run off a guy that ended up being a Hall of Famer. He had a home run off Robin Roberts back 
in Springfield, Illinois, in high school. Or the experience my dad had as a Washington Senators minor league baseball player for a month. Now, he gave it up. I do know this after a month because the money was so horrible. But I never asked what it was like to be a pro ball player for a month. He got to hang out with Stan Musial one day outside of Sportsman's Park in St. Louis. Now, I can top that because I got to spend the day with Stan as an intern at Bud Sports in St. Louis. That's just a sample, but those are things I wish I would have asked. But when you're 17, you don't think about those things. So do me a favor on this day that stinks for me, maybe tonight, tomorrow, this weekend. Take a second and think about things that you might want to ask or want to know more about from someone that you care deeply about because, as we know, tomorrow is never guaranteed. And trust me, I have kicked myself for the past 34 years for not asking more questions. All right, 538 is our time. Well, it is June 1st, so we have to talk about some positives. It's the point of the Major League Baseball season where we can start to say, hey, our team is really good, or my gosh, my team stinks. When does college football start? Two-part series on where these teams stand. We'll begin with the America League coming up in a couple of moments. We'll do the National League tomorrow. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Kiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 544 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. We've teamed up with Wings, etc. To have a little fun on our Twitter account at SportsBeat960, what we do each Friday, we read your responses to a question that we post on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. At the conclusion of reading all the replies, we give away a $50 gift card to Wings, etc. Hungry? Enjoy award-winning jumbo wings, awesome appetizers, delicious burgers, and a great selection of ice-cold beer at a Wings, etc. Grill and Pub location near you this week's question name your favorite or most interesting piece of sports memorabilia is it a signed ball is it something from a race car that you took did you take something from a ballpark whatever the case may be what is the most interesting or your favorite piece of sports memorabilia to offer your response, go to my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat and then find the post, which I have labeled the SportsBeat Wings, etc. question. Reply to that post with your response. We'll read it on the air Friday. And at the conclusion of the segment, we'll give away that $50 gift card to Wings, etc. All right, we have some breaking news here. Now, I got to be honest with you. I have not had a chance to research this. I literally saw this tweet just as we were coming out of break. So, Brett McMurphy, longtime college football insider, used to be with ESPN. He's now with the Action Network. And he just tweeted this out a couple of moments ago. In 2024... 
there will be no divisions in the Southeastern Conference. 16 teams and only eight league games. This has been debated for a while. Should the SEC go to more conference games? But they have elected to go with eight. And according to Brett McMurphy, in 2024, which will be the first 12-team playoff year, the SEC is getting rid of the two divisions and going with a 16-team league. The ACC just decided to do this recently. Well, that's going to be very interesting to see what the SEC schedule is going to look like with those eight league games. This is not a criticism. It's more of a compliment. But there is no conference in America that takes care of their best teams more than the SEC. A prime example. Do you think Georgia and Alabama in recent years, do you think they played a lot in the regular season? You don't want to get those teams knocked out. SEC does a really good job of giving their best teams a chance to make the playoff. Now, eventually, Georgia and Alabama, you know, they have to meet in the SEC title game if both won their divisions, but that is now all changing. Is there going to be a fair rotation of the SEC conference schedule going to one division? Now, reminder, you have one side of the SEC that is a meat grinder, and that's the West. With Alabama, the family at LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, and Texas A&M. Then you have on the east side of the SEC, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. But now the divisions, according to Brett McMurphy, are going away in the SEC And you'll have 16 teams in just one conference, not split up. And it's going to be fascinating to see, will Georgia and Alabama play in the regular season? Will there be a fair rotation of all the teams? It's a big, big decision. But possibly, this is a factor as well. We are not dealing with a four-team playoff in 2024. We're talking about a 12-team playoff. So that will open the door for two lost teams to make the college football playoff. It's not happening in the four-team playoff, but in the 12-team playoff, when you have those six wildcard teams, you're probably going to see some two lost teams get in. And it would not be surprising if the SEC is thinking that going one conference, this may help them get more teams into the college football playoff. They would love to get four or five teams and laugh at the rest of the country. So that's Brett McMurphy and the story he posted. 2024, there will be no divisions in the SEC. 16 teams and only eight league games on the schedule. So they will play four non-conference matchups. Will this lead to more cupcakes? I am really curious to see okay 549 at wsbt what i wanted to talk about in this segment it is june 1st which means 
It is the point of the season where I take the Major League Baseball standings serious. As I told you a little bit ago, small sample size is over. And we are now to the point where we have a good feel of these teams. If the playoffs started today in the American League, the two teams getting a bye in that first round, best of three series, Tampa Bay, the leaders of the AL East at 40-18. and 18. And how about the Texas Rangers at 35-20? and 20. They went on a spending spree, and it's helping them win. That's good for baseball. So Texas would be the number two seed right now. Then your first round best of three matchups, it would be the defending champions, the Houston Astros, taking on the AL Central leaders right now, the Minnesota Twins. The Twins would have the home field advantage. And then the other matchup would be an all AL East first round go around. The Yankees visiting the Orioles in Baltimore is 35 and 21. And as you look at the America League, we're to the point of the season that the five teams in the America League East are playing pretty solid baseball, although the Red Sox have now faded the last two weeks. But the Rays are 40 and 18, and everybody else under them over 500. Baltimore's young talent is blossoming. They're 35 and 21, four games back. The New York Yankees, they have dealt with a lot of injuries. A lot. And you look up, and they're 34 and 24, 10 games over 500, six games behind Tampa Bay. Toronto, who I picked to win the division, they've been highly inconsistent so far this year. The Blue Jays are 30 and 27 after winning today. They are nine and a half in back of Tampa Bay. And the Red Sox stumbling along as of late, 28 and 27. But all five teams over 500, all five teams in the AL East have plus run differentials at this point of the season. I think the Red Sox will fade away. The other four are going to hang around. They're going to be playoff contenders. You get six teams in each league to the playoffs, so you got those three wild card spots, and two of those could go to the AL East. You look at the Central, and no one's out of it except Kansas City. And I know White Sox fans probably are fed up with their team. They have no chance. You may be right, but you look at where things stand, they're only seven games out of first place. Sounds like a lot, but when the team in first place is two games over 500, you got a shot. Twins are 29 and 27, the only team in the Central with a plus run differential of plus 46. The Tigers are only two under 500 and two out of first place, 26 and 28. But the run differential is minus 56. The Guardians just can't score enough. They have just 200 runs scored so far this year. That is tied with the Oakland A's for the fewest in the American League. Guardians are minus 32 run differential. The White Sox are in fourth. 23 and 35 is not pretty, but games back only seven. And their run differential minus 55. And except for the Oakland A's, the White Sox have given up the most runs in the America League, 306. The next closest is 276, the Boston Red Sox, but the A's are way out in front at 395. Then you've got the AL West. Maybe it's just not going to be handed to the Astros. 
the Texas Rangers have been building the last couple of years. They got Corey Seager. They got Marcus Simeon for their lineup two years ago. They got Jacob DeGrom, the free agent from the Mets, to help the rotation. And they got Heaney and Elvaldi. So this team has went through free agency, and boy, do the agents love this. And it's good for baseball. I really think it is that a team is going for it, spending money, and is having success at 35-20. and 20. Three games in front of the defending champions, the Astros, who are 32-23. and 23. The Angels, it'd be nice if they could compete. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani in a pennant race is good for baseball. They're six games back. The Mariners, maybe one of the big disappointments in the America League, only 29 and 27, six and a half off the pace of the Rangers. And then the A's are 12 and 46, and we'll leave it at that. But the Rangers, they have the best run differential in the America League. They're at plus 131. I don't think anybody saw the Rangers being this good in 2023 but here come the old texas rangers trying to unseat the houston astros as the champions of the west so you look at the three division leaders tampa bay's four ahead twins are two in front and the rangers are three ahead of the astros still not sure who's going to win the central it might come down to trade acquisitions at the deadline AL East Tampa just so solid. They hit the ball out of the ballpark better than anybody. The starting pitching is getting better. They just got Tyler Glasnow back, who's been out all year. He's now rounding into form, and he is part of a terrific tandem at the top of the rotation with Shane McClanahan. Rays aren't going anywhere. I don't think the Rangers are going anywhere, but the Central, I've got no clue who's going to win that. Maybe the Sox can catch fire. I've been saying that, but... I'm holding out hope, but I'm not quite sure it's going to happen. But in the Central, we all know they're in the right division. And if they get hot, it doesn't take long to crawl up the standings. So that's a look at the America League on June 1st. We will turn the tide to the National League tomorrow. And it's kind of the same theme. East, good. West, good. Central, bad. Sound like a caveman, but that's the way things are looking right now. In baseball. We'll take a timeout. A sports update is right around the corner. 556 at WSBT. And don't forget in the six o'clock hour, a lot of important Notre Dame football recruiting news from Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer. Every day, hard work. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. We're back on Sportsbeat, kicking off the second, six o'clock hour, excuse me. Darren Pritchard with you on this Thursday evening. Let's take care of a couple of Twitter questions of the day. We go back to Tuesday. I asked you, which football roster is better? 2022 Notre Dame, 2023 Notre Dame. For me, this was a coin flip. The quarterback position looks a lot better. But defensive line, safety, losing one of your top running backs, is the roster as good as last year? Well, it was a coin flip for me, but it is a no-brainer for you guys. On my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat, 83.8% believe this year's Notre Dame roster is better than last year's. Only 16.2% believe last year's roster will be better. I think having an elite quarterback makes a major, major difference in that conversation. 
than yesterday. Which of these four choices is most likely to occur during the 23 Notre Dame football season? Now, there's a chance none of these four happen, which makes it difficult. But let's give it a shot. Which is most likely to happen? Notre Dame beats Tennessee State by 49 or more points. Notre Dame sweeps Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. New quarterback Sam Hartman throws at least 40 touchdown passes. Or new receiver Chris Tyree has over 40 catches. Fourth place in the voting at 6.9%. Notre Dame sweeping Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. Third place, Notre Dame beating Tennessee State by more than 49 points. That got 24.1% of the vote. Again, I don't know if Marcus would allow the score to be run up huge in this game. Second in the voting, Sam Hartman throwing over 40 touchdown passes. That got 32.8% of the vote, but it's edged out. 36.2% said that the most likely storyline to take place this year is Chris Tyree catching over 40 passes. We appreciate you voting. And take a second to go to my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat for today's question. Notre Dame has added an elite quarterback. They lost to start running back to the portal. They have to replace two starting guards. And, oh, yeah, they have a new offensive coordinator. So, with all that being said, will the Irish average more or less than last year's rushing total of 189.1 yards per game? Simple answer, yes or no. Check out the question on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. Mike Singer talks Notre Dame football recruiting next on WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The WSBT Radio app. And on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Well, it's great to have Mike back on the program after enjoying a little vacation time. It was good to have Kyle Kelly on the program last week after Logan Thomas picked the Fighting Hours, that outstanding edge rusher from the state of Texas. It seems like, Mike, the last week or so, there's just been a lot of recruiting chatter, and you've been doing a lot of reporting since you got back from vacation. I feel like every other hour there's a defensive line update, and we'll get to that in a moment. But let's start with a pretty exciting player out of Tennessee, Lipscomb Academy, cornerback Caleb Beasley. And, Mike, he's a player you've told us about in the past. I guess I always assume Tennessee's probably going to be in the driver's seat, but Notre Dame's got him coming to South Bend. They're in years at this point that we've been talking about Caleb Beasley uh, on on our show. Seriously, I don't want to say got the offer fall 2021. So yep. We've been talking about it for a while, and, a standout at Notre Dame's Irish Invasion camp last year, and I got to see him a couple months after that at a at a, a preseason, no regular season game down in the state of Georgia, and uh, just a fantastic player. And I, I really like Notre Dame early in Beasley's recruitment, four star corner. Uh, I, I don't know how he's ranked outside of the top hundred nationally for these websites. I think he's an absolute freak show. I think, honestly, in my opinion, I think he's ranked like I think he's like a five star type guy, but. Yeah, the websites don't think that, but I'll just uh, I'll, I'll die on that hill. But <laughs> I like Notre Dame for him. He ends up committing to Tennessee. 
Uh, this would have been October of last year. Notre Dame said, you know what, we're going to keep fighting for you. So every every opportunity they get to go to his high school, they do it. The, the, all those recruiting periods, coaches on the road, they're always at Beasley's high schools, literally as much as they're allowed to. And then they got him on campus for the April 1st recruiting weekend. And then how about this? Darren Blue and Gold had this scoop. Um, well, this has been on Tuesday that he's going to officially visit. And we had been hearing about this, um, that Beasley and Justin Scott, the five-star defense tackle from Chicago, San Ignatius, were looking to officially visit for the Ohio State game. And then we were able to uh, break this news. Uh, so the Tennessee commit uh, going to officially visit for the Ohio State weekend. So a pretty big deal here, Darren. Um, Notre Dame has two really good cornerback commitments, uh, Carson Hobbs from Cincinnati, um, and then Leonard Moore down in the Austin area. If you, I mean, if, if you land those two and you, and you add Caleb Beasley to the mix, I mean, goodness gracious, with, with Brian Urlacher's son, so we're looking at a really good defensive back class. And then there, you know, later we'll, we'll talk about another uh, defensive back who Notre Dame's looking pretty good for. Darren, defensive back recruiting is looking pretty good right now. Uh, but, you know, will they flip Beasley from Tennessee? You know, this visit, I mean, it is in like, what, 11 weeks or something? Like, a lot can happen between now and then. So we'll see. But, uh, Beasley's also taken an official visit to Oklahoma, so it definitely looks like he's, you know, not shutting down his recruitment. I'm wondering, just as someone that talks to these players and looks at the film, do you ever email or call up the on three people and say, hey, this guy's rated as a four star. I think you need to reevaluate him. He might be better or a three star. Have you ever done that? And does it make a difference? Yeah, it, I'll do it more if I've seen the guy in person, right? Because I have access to Huddle, just like you know the R on three people have access to Huddle. But when you go see him in person, it's it can be a little bit different. Um, so I will there. Uh, but yeah, there are sometimes I, I, I pound my fist on the table um, for for certain guys. Um, but I don't I, I don't like to do it too often sure. because I if I am going to do it then I want them to be like, oh, wow, Mike doesn't do this whole lot. So we must really believe in this player um, and has seen him. Um, so, um, yeah, Beasley would, would, is definitely one of those guys who have actually done that. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if you ever come up with your own star list, it could be singer their praises. I mean, that's a pretty good catchphrase. Um, I think it would be probably a terrible ranking list. I mean, <laughs> as, as, as much now. as everyone likes to say, oh, like this, this ranking looks like, oh, they, their, their rankings are awful. I'm telling you guys, if you did it yourself, yours would be probably worse. It's a lot more difficult than it looks. All you got to do is show your business card with Joe Alt on it. It's all good. They'll all bow down to you. He's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, of course, tied into the On3 platform. I can't wait to get your thoughts on this because when I heard sure. this story pop up, I immediately thought this is something that would be really good to talk about in our recruiting update. Notre Dame, any chance they're going to change the official visit policy for committed recruits? And this kind of came up because Brent Venables at Oklahoma now has this allegedly stern policy, although it seemed to not be the case late last year going after a certain safety, but maybe I'm mistaken on that. So 
What are your thoughts on if Notre Dame might change the way they handle committed players and visiting elsewhere? Yeah, I, I can't speak much to Oklahoma, but just for folks who might not really know what this is all about, uh, I'll try to give as brief as a rundown as possible. So when Marcus Freeman became head coach, they basically in- implemented the policy and this is not something that was written in stone or was tattooed on their arms or, you know, was, you know, they, they replace, you know, replace play like a champion sign with this policy. So let, you know, let's all, you know, take that into consideration. Um, this is something that very easily can be changed and, and we might see it. It, it is if you're a player and you're committed elsewhere, you can't come take an official visit here because Notre Dame's own official or own commitments, they're not going to allow to take official visits. You can't have it both ways, right? Sure. You can't tell your own commitments, hey, you can't, if you officially visit elsewhere, we see you as a decommitted player. But then also have, you know, players committed elsewhere come take an official visit to your school because then the, the guy committed Notre Dame will be like, but wait, I can't, but they can come here? Like, that doesn't sound right. So that's basically Notre Dame's policy – so for, uh, I'll give an example of last year, Caleb Smith, who was a receiver committed to Texas Tech, Notre Dame was looking like they're going to flip him. And, but to take that official visit, he had to decommit from Texas Tech. And that's exactly what he did. And then he commits to Notre Dame. Same deal with Kenny Minchie last year. So I think a lot of people hear about this policy and they're like, oh, I don't like that because I want to be more aggressive. But I think it's helped Notre Dame flip players mm-hmm. elsewhere. And I think Peyton Bowen probably would have decommitted a lot earlier in the process if this policy were in place. So I kind of go both ways on it. This is an article that me and Kyle Kelly did a, a couple of weeks back. Like, do you prefer the policy? I, I really don't have a strong opinion on it. I'm kind of fine with it either way. Now, will they change it is the question because of Caleb Beasley taking this official visit. Right? He's a Tennessee commit. But here's the thing. That this visit is what eleven weeks, twelve weeks away. So, I mean, he could decommit by then. I mean, he could. Uh, there's so many different variables. Like, and again, this is something that media is reporting about. Notre Dame is not. There's no press release yeah. about this. This is not something that is declared by Notre Dame or anything like that. This is something that. I'm told, uh, you know, other media outlets are told, and, and we inform our readers about this. Like, this is why this is going on, uh, or this is the situation. So, it's Notre Dame doesn't need to make any decisions on this right now. Yeah, he's going to officially visit in September for the Ohio game as of late May. And I mean, it, he, he could cancel it the next week, and then it's like, why would you have need to make any decisions on your little quote-unquote policy for this? So, a long way to say, Darren, and I hate to give you a non-answer, but I don't think that they've really, you know, put their foot in the ground. They being the Notre Dame staff on their their whole policy here. Um, I do know that Notre Dame loves Beasley. Notre Dame loves Beasley as much as I do, if not more. And I think that he's the type of player that they might change their policy for. And then they, for 2025, they might be like, all right. No official visits again. Like, again, this is something that can change at the drop of a hat. It's recruiting. You know, it's not like in a press conference. Marcus Streaming could talk about recruits like that. Like, this is – they can kind of do whatever they want here. Hmm. Very interesting. To me, this can be just like coaching your team. You have to coach players differently based on their 
what they can take mentally. You might be rougher on Mike Singer because he can handle it, while that Darren guy's really weak mentally. And you know what? You got to be softer with him. My point is the elite guys, maybe you have sort of a different policy with them than the rest of the group may not sound fair, but you know what? There's nothing fair in recruiting right now. And you have to do what's best because why would you tell Beasley now you can come, you can come visit us, but you have to decommit to me, get them on the books and you worry about that down the line. I wouldn't, you, 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 you can't do what you just said. You know, Beasley can't, but no, no, no one else can like, you can't do that. Maybe for the 2025 cycle, you can, if you want to switch things for 2024, then switch back to 2025, that's fine. But if you're doing this for Beasley, it's, I I kind of feel like the floodgates are open for 2024. The good thing is that as you look at Notre Dame's commitment list, every, everyone looks pretty solid right now. Uh, I mean, Isaiah Canyon down in, in, in the peach state, some of those heavy hitters in the SEC are, are taking a strong look at him. So Chancey Stuckey and, and, and company are going to have to make sure he's locked in. But otherwise, I think they should be good with their commits. But, again, I don't think many people saw Owen Wafel decommitting last week. So, I mean, you, you just never know. Okay. He's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated. I'm Darren Pritchett. We're on WSBT Radio. Also, a video feed of this conversation on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Let's go down to Clearwater, Florida for a moment, get into a little defensive line conversation. Sean Civilano is someone that is considering Notre Dame, and he's going to be making a decision very soon. Yeah, Friday noon Eastern time, announcing a commitment between Notre Dame, Ohio State, Auburn, and Miami. Talking about the nation's number. All right, you get you just heard that top four, right, Darren? Yeah, you just heard that thing top four. Here's here's the ranking: eight hundred seventy nine. Wow. Eight seven nine overall player nationally. Number eighty two defensive lineman. Number one hundred twenty one player from the state of Florida per the twenty twenty four on three industry ranking. So someone who's not highly ranked. Six one and a half, three hundred and twenty five pounds. A big boy. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna have a. Is he a rover? <laughs> you know, viper. You know, like no, nah, this is a nose tackle all the way, Darren. So, um, visited Notre Dame in March, and it's kind of all happened last week on my cruise where Wafel decommits, and then like, oh, Sean Savano announcing a commitment date. Like, started kind of looking pretty good for uh, the fighting Irish. Like, again, this all just kind of came together pretty quickly. And I had more about this in the gold standard at blueandgold.com that you can read. So, um, yeah, June 2nd commitment date. Notre Dame looks pretty good here. I had been told for months that it was a Notre Dame-Ohio State battle, uh, and he was going to take official visits to Notre Dame-Ohio State and Auburn. I anticipate him to announce Friday and then just take the official visit just to the school that he's committing to Friday. I don't think he's going to commit and then still take all those visits. So, um, yeah, this could be a pretty good for the Notre, for Notre Dame. Look, they want a nose tackle in this class. Sevillano's a nose tackle. Justin Scott also, you know, can be a nose tackle for sure. I mean, he's 6'5", 310 pounds. I think he could actually – Justin Scott's athletic enough to play the three technique, but he's probably knows the next level. So, you get Sevillano, you get your nose tackle locked in for sure, and if you get Justin Scott on top of that – you know, Marcus Freeman will, you know, just start doing backflips. He's not just going to be throwing up the first pitch at the White Sox game. <laughs> you know, Freeman will start doing backflips. Sure seems like the Irish are in really good shape with their defensive line recruiting. 
in yeah. this class. They've got a good group already. You've talked about Justin Scott. Here's maybe an interior defensive lineman. It just seems like they've got a lot of depth in recruiting right yeah. now, and they have a lot of good choices at the various positions along the defensive line. Yeah, and it's well-balanced, too. If Sevlano commits, you have your big, beefy interior nose tackle. Cole Mullins, you're kind of taking a flyer on him, for the lack of a better term, because he plays inside linebacker at the high school level a lot. He's a viper, so you're strong side end. He just looks like a really good athlete. Um, Bryce Young is is honestly a freak show. He looks like a, a viper. Strong. I mean, he's probably more of a, a strong side end. You know, at you know, six six, two hundred forty five pounds going into senior year. Uh, Logan Thomas, your true viper all the way. Um, that long, lean guy who runs a four seven. Uh, and then you could potentially get Justin Scott. We didn't even mention Elijah Rushing. There's another five star viper type guy. You look at Elijah Rushing. I mean, he looks like Keon Keeley, you know, the, who was committed to Notre Dame for Flip in Alabama. I mean, not only are they both five stars, literally, they just they they have the same build and face complexion. I mean, they just look the same. Mm. I mean, you you could, I mean, does Notre Dame land two five stars and Scott and rushing? I mean, they'd be, I mean, you're you're, you're jumping for joy if you get one of those guys. But yeah, I think oh, just overall, if they get Sevillano, that's four defensive line commitments. You're pretty happy with that, and then from there, you're just swinging for the fences with Scott and rushing. That's at least my read on it, Darren. Okay. Notre Dame recruiting changes so much and so often that, you know, they could be like, ah, no, we're, uh, we're taking seven. You know, who, who the <laughs> heck knows? Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's in a pretty good spot right now. All right. Let's wrap up with some football that's played down the road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne's been good to Notre Dame through the years. Jalen Smith comes to mind. I think Drew Tranquil. Yeah, he was decent, huh? Yeah. So now we got Tate Johnson, to talk about a pretty good two-sport athlete this guy could probably play some pretty good basketball as well but mike he's going to be a college football player i know he's listed on three as an athlete i don't know if you can offer any more insight where he might play but where do the irish stand with this hoosier darren you know there is a lot to talk about when this is our final segment right yeah. i mean I, I logged a prediction for tay johnson this week uh, the north side standouts end up in Notre Dame, and we have a huge official visit weekend, Irish Invasion Camp Sunday. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world of Notre Dame football recruiting, so make sure you head to blueandgold.com, stay up to date with all the coverage. But, yeah, uh, nation's number 160 player, number five athlete. Again, that athlete designation is often, um, you know, if there, if a player's being recruited in multiple positions, you're not really – he's playing both sides of the ball high school, like – not a clear spot. You kind of put the athlete tag on him. I mean, Notre Dame's talked to him about receiver and safety. He definitely looks more like a safety at the next level for Notre Dame, officially visiting Sunday to Tuesday. Um, and uh, Notre Dame sources are buzzing um, about it going into the visit. So I logged my prediction Monday. Um, yeah, I think it's for the win, Darren. I think if this official visit goes well, and I, I believe he's going to Purdue later this month, you just got to wonder if this goes well, does he commit and just, you know, shut his recruitment down? Um, I think that's at least what the Notre Dame staff hopes. But you, know, you mentioned with like defensive line recruiting, like, yeah, it's, it's looking really good. I, I think if Johnson commits, you're feeling the same about safety. Like, all right, you got Erlocker committed, Brian Erlocker's son from, from Chandler, Arizona. Now, if you get Johnson at the safety spot, you're feeling, you're feeling pretty good. Okay, Mike, we've got Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, filled with a lot of recruiting information between you and Kyle. So 
Give our listeners that sales pitch, what they're missing right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, and how easy it is to become a part of the family. Just go to blueandgold.com and just click a button at the top. I mean, you're, you're getting signed up in minutes. Our, our, and our current offer is uh, joinblueandgold.com for $29.99. Get you access for six months, and this is a limited time offer, so please do um, consider signing up for that. Yeah, this is just kind of a, a, a taste. Of the information like these you know the, the the interviews with darren they're just a taste of um you know all, all the info that we have there on a daily basis i'm going to leave you with this question and i mean for the answer to be broad would you say that we are a while away from justin scott making a decision i mean notre dame wants to have him for an official visit for the ohio state game so it, it, Notre Dame's hoping that you're, they're not close, unless he wants to just you know call tomorrow to commit, then that's ideal. But Notre Dame is hoping that this is gets dragged out a little bit longer. Okay. Um, Mom wants him close home, like that's kind of the goal. But I I would peg my I don't know it's tough. Like I personally I think he's going to end up at Notre Dame, but then there's like ooh, a lot of people like Miami for him. I think it's Notre Dame, Miami, you know, I know Michigan, Georgia, Ohio state, you know, all kind of in the mix. Even okay. Florida wants them for a visit. But I, I think that Miami could just pull off, pull it off this summer. But if he stretches his recruitment into the fall, that that's good for Notre Dame. For us old people, anytime Miami is involved, you get a little nervous. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike, thanks for the visit. Good to have you back, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. That's Mike. I'm Darren. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat in a moment on WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 